welcome to the Good Convo Good People podcast with me, your host, Jordan DeLeon. I want to thank everyone for listening to the first episode and welcome to the second one. I have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Natalie DeLeon, uh, also known as my wife. And uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking to her. She is a registered nurse and a new mom. Uh, so welcome, Natalie. Um, yeah, so I want to thank you for having you on. And uh, yeah, we're just going to talk and a little bit about you. So why don't we start off with, uh, yeah, I mean, I know about you, but let the people know uh, kind of general about you, you know, who you are, where you're from, what you've been doing, what you have going on. Hi, everybody. My name is Natalie. I um, am born and raised here in Denver. Uh, came from a big Mexican family of there's eight of us. I have five brothers, two sisters, and I'm the baby of everyone. Um, I've got my bachelor's degree in biology, and then I have another bachelor's degree in uh, nursing that I just started in February of t- 2020. And yeah, I've been doing that ever since. I just recently also had a little baby. Um, she is one out of 14 grandkids my parents have. Um, so we're a pretty big family there. What's that beautiful little baby's name? Her name is Lila Rose. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. So I mean, yeah, you 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 have a pretty big family and a big family. So I mean, how was it being the baby? And um, it was fine. It was I was super spoiled, and uh, I mean, we're, there's such a big age group that I or age gap that I I don't know. I guess. Between me and my youngest, uh, the youngest brother, there's it's five year difference. So, I've, and then my sis- youngest sister's se- seven years difference. So, yeah. So I mean, what kind of part of town you grew up in? I mean, we. Uh, well, I my parents lived in the Westwoods when I when we moved when I was like one. So um, Southwest Denver, like Harvey Park area, is pretty much where I spent my entire life. You went to Coons Miller and Dell, right? Yeah. And then John F. Kennedy, where we met? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have a lot of mutual friends, I think. Um, a lot of my friends went to middle school with you. Uh, a lot of, and then, I mean, we have all, most majority of our friends are, went to Kennedy. Uh, but, yeah, so, um, so you, you, uh, your parents are from Mexico, right? Yeah, they came here, I don't know, I want to say maybe in the 70s. Um, they're from Guanajuato, Mexico. Uh, that's where they met. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even know that Guanajuato was a state, honestly. And, like, I only knew of, like, Chihuahua and Durango, and I thought that was it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Guanajuato is, there's definitely a lot of states out there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of just... You know, you're the the Mexican American dream. You know, they they moved here and started. Um, so, what did your dad do? Uh, my dad was a, in masonry. Yeah, stone mason. Yeah, masonry. I think is the proper term. Um, yeah. So that's what he did. He kind of went and built houses and apartments, and he did that pretty much his whole life since he was like sixteen or even younger. Yes, and um, 
Okay, so yeah, and then uh, I think your your dad was here first, right? And he kind of started working. Yeah, he came because my grandpa was here, um, and then he came over, and um, then ended up bringing my mom over. She had my oldest brother and my oldest sister in Mexico, and after a while, she was able to come too. And then... Then everyone else was born here, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, your your family. I mean, it's a super close family. I mean, it's it's awesome how close you guys are, and uh, you know, I I mean, been in in the family for five years now, and absolutely love it. You guys are close, and everyone you know gets along, and it's awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, tell me. So you're you're a nurse, right? How how's that going? Um, well, it's a complete shit show after starting, and three weeks later, the pandemic hit. Yeah, so you're you're a nurse, like right when pandemic started. So I mean, you you've kind of just seen it from the beginning till now of everything, and then you were also pregnant. Yeah, I was six months pregnant when I started um, my nursing job, and then um, my floor that I actually worked on ended up becoming a COVID unit and so I had to be transferred down to a different unit just because I was at high risk since I was so far along in my pregnancy. So um, I, I mean I, I, I know a lot of these things so I think it's kind of hard to like sit here and, and like ask you stuff that I already know about but uh, no so I mean like what what made you want to be a nurse? Like, what, like, think back as far as, like, when you were like, you know what, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to be, it's nothing else, and this is my goal and, and what I want. So, I mean, just think back as far as your earliest memory of that and just kind of explain that. Um, well, I, I feel like I've always been interested in the healthcare field. Um, I think just the whole, like, science of, like, that's why I got my major in biology, just the science of everything is really fascinating and um I don't know I just I guess I'm really just naturally take on the role of a caretaker and I like care for others even if it's like putting it before myself and I feel like um I don't know being a nurse like we didn't have any in my family like nobody ever was medical in my family but um I think that they're truly like the backbone of the hospital and I think that they kind of don't give as much credit as they deserve. They um they know their patients, they know they know more about their patients than what the doctors do. The doctors kind of are they give their diagnosis and they kind of just briefly like look over everything and they're like okay, they give the like the orders but they have so many other patients that they're dealing with that they don't personally know them. And if, I mean, if anybody's ever been in the hospital, they, they know like their nurses, they're made, they're, they're, you know, they give them their medicines, they sit there and they talk to them about their lives and they just tell them like, they just are more personable than a doctor would. There, there's so many times that I've had a patient tell me like, oh, my doctor just didn't even seem like he cared. Like, he didn't seem like he wanted to take the time to, like, talk about, like, talk things out with me and, like, what what we can do and what, what where we're going to go from there. And um, 
Whereas like I've actually sat there with my patients and they've cried to me and, you know, sometimes I didn't really have any much, anything to say to them, but like just even giving them that time to like sit there and like let their feelings out to me. Um, it's, it's just kind of like life changing that you could be that support, um, for somebody. And that's, I, I feel like that's the most rewarding feeling that you can go home with. No. Yeah. I mean, if I think people are definitely born to do things and I'm, and for sure you're born to be a nurse. Like, I mean, you've always just been so caring and giving and it's just who you are as a person. And it's like the perfect field for you and, and what, what you want to do in life. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, before, I mean, you kind of like everyone gives the doctor the credit. I mean, obviously, you know, they, they do, you know, surgeries and things like that, but for the most part, I mean, the nurse, like they're, you know, they're, they're the forefront and, you know, the face and then the doctor comes in. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I actually didn't know that. And, um, so, I mean, that's awesome. You know, it, it, it takes, you know, a, a strong, you know, certain type of person to become a nurse and that's you. And, you know, I, I love you for that. Um, you know, and so I guess, you know, the timing's about everything. So, I mean, how, how was it? I mean, first, I mean, you went on um, maternity leave. So, I mean, you didn't really get to see the the early stages of everything uh, as far as the pandemic and all that. But, I mean, kind of after the fact, when you went back to work, I mean, what was like, what, what was it like? Like, what's kind of your perspective on being a nurse now during the pandemic? Um, I, I think it's like changed a lot. I don't feel like we're being kind of cared for as much as other people are being in the hospital. I feel like um, they're kind of so short-staffed that they're just like, okay, like you, you're, you're not showing any symptoms of like, it's, it's okay. Like just come, just come to work. So I don't feel like we're being protected. Um, and that's kind of scary because if we go down, who's going to be there to take care of anybody? <laughs> I mean, it's not yeah. only COVID patients we're seeing, it's, anybody anybody who's sick and you have appendicitis you your gallbladder you have gallstones like um you break your hip you break your leg like uh you know we have a lot of alcohol withdrawals coming in and that's the most deadly like withdrawal that you can have so uh it's kind of scary that we're you know our frontline workers aren't being taken care of and they're not being protected um and hopefully hoping with the vaccine coming out all that's going to be changing and um you know it feels safer to go to work and it feels safer to come home and I mean I personally don't work with the COVID patients but I've worked with them after and even though they're technically not contagious anymore it's still scary yeah for sure I mean and th these are the people that we need to be protecting because I mean if if you know all the nurses and doctors you know go out like we're screwed <laughs> you know what I mean like you can't just go pick up a you know an IT guy and go throw him in there and expect for him to care for people so I mean that that's definitely huge and it, you know it kind of sucks um so um I mean I think you know, a registered nurse is so general. I mean, what, what, what do you specifically do? Like what, what's, I know what it is, but like, just explain. So like you're a registered nurse, but like what floor do you work on and what's your actual? Um, so I work on the oncology trauma surgery floor. So, and 
for people who don't know what oncology is it's, it's just like cancer patients um that come to our floor and um trauma so like if of any big i guess event so um like this summer we've had a lot of people have hiking accidents um that like fell like more than 10 feet and um i've had like like uh the truck drivers fall off cliffs before so um just kind of like really huge and they all survived right <laughs> yeah i mean um, <laughs> as far as i know um th- and then just surgery so just general like People who need their appendix removed, their gallbladder removed, um, just who have general surgeries. Um, we kind of take a little bit of everything. Now that our COVID unit took over one of the floors, we've been getting a lot of like um, patients who are septic, who have the infection in their blood. Um, and then, I mean, we take like withdrawing patients literally anybody probably <laughs> how's 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 that like i mean dealing with like people on withdrawals and and kind of seeing that like like um firsthand? it's really sad it's it's sad that there's so many young people that uh, i mean i feel are close to my age and their like bodies just done <laughs> um they like alcohol has done like so much damage to them that they're it's uh, irreversible now. Um, like some people need dialysis forever and some people are just kind of at the end stage point in their, in their thirties there. Um, and I think that a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of it has to do with the pandemic, with people losing their jobs, with people, um, just kind of being at home and they just turned out drinking and it's kind of, it's, it's ruined so many people's lives that I've that I've seen. So I mean, it's like mostly like alcohol. Is there, I mean, like no. I mean, we get people who are meth users, heroin users, um, pretty much anything, and they're pretty upfront about it. You know, you you tell ask them like, what drug do you use, and they they'll tell you, and they'll tell you how often they do it. Like, um, I always thought like there was like a stigma like that they would be like oh no I'm I'm clean like I don't you know just not want to talk about it just um just kind of like our suicidal patients like we're supposed to ask them like do you have like thoughts of like killing yourself or harming yourself and I always thought like who's gonna sit there and say like yeah like yeah I want I want to do it because then they know like then we have them like pretty much on hold and like you know um but people will tell you like I do have thoughts about doing that and I do, I do, I have a plan like, and you know, um, and we're supposed to help them. Like, so it's kind of, it's very uncomfortable like asking these questions, but it's what we have to do. Yeah. And I feel like, um, like to be comfortable to the point where you can admit like those things, like, yeah, I am alcoholic or yeah, I do use meth. I mean, like that just kind of shows like how deep they are into that. Or even with like, I mean, the, the suicide thoughts, like, for you to be that deep in into, uh, you know, that disease or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, that, that just kind of shows like where, where they're at mentally. Cause I mean, um, I mean, me and, you know, like I, I was so like embarrassed and ashamed of like my DUI and, and stuff. And like, I didn't really want to express that to people. And so I think like, just kind of being like, like, I, I don't know, in a way, in a sense, like people like accepted that and, 
like they're like yeah i am an alcoholic you know i do i do do meth and like just kind of having that mindset and it just kind of shows but um and then you also kind of deal with like some like kind of homeless situations or uh patients as well we do we do get a um a lot of homeless um people that come in and you know they they were found down or unconscious and um i mean the situations vary but um a lot of them were kind of were found like unconscious and that's why they got brought in and they have like a broken bone or, you know, they need something fixed. Yeah. I mean, on our way home, I mean, we've seen that, that camp set up right there on, on the corner. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's like, it's crazy to see. And like you said, what you were, where were you at? And you, like, you seen like a camp where there's never been one before. Well, I mean, I went to go get my emissions test and right there off like La Pan and Evans. Like, I, I guess I haven't been in that area for a while, but, um, yeah, there was just all these RVs and just homeless people just camping out there. So it's definitely a problem yeah, that we have right now. It's, like, a huge problem. It's, like, any kind of, like, grassy field or, like, just any, like, open space. I mean, I, we haven't been downtown in a while, um, but I'm, I'm sure, I mean, you hear it and you see it on the news. Like, people are just setting up camp on, on the sidewalks. And so, I mean, I... I wonder, like, how much of that has to do with, like, the pandemic. I mean, I know there's people out there that's definitely lost their jobs and, you know, they, they have nowhere to go. But I think, I mean, we've had this conversation before where, like, we're, like, how many, like, of those people are just, like, you know what? Like, just, like, okay. Like, I mean, they're capable of working. They're capable of getting jobs. But they're, like, nah, I'm, I'm going to set up this shanty town and, and live my life, you know? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I think it goes both ways. I, I think it's kind of hard not to be like biased towards it but I mean you have to have an open mind and kind of think of everybody's situations different and um just you know I guess you just don't know what everybody's background story is yeah and so I, I don't know I think that's something I definitely want to kind of get more into um you know maybe talk to certain people that deal with it firsthand and kind of change my opinion about it um because I, I mean I know there's people you know you just had a hard life and are you know just an unfortunate circumstance and and you know there's are those people but I mean there's people who who can work and they just choose that so I mean that that's a little frustrating but um yeah so um all right so you're on oncology now so I mean what are your goals after this because I mean you mentioned to me that you I mean you you, you don't want to be uh <laughs> I guess what merch, merch, bedside uh, merge. merge, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I only wanted to be in the hospital for a year, um, but I definitely think that that has changed since I've been in the hospital. Like, I am constantly learning something new, and like that's not going to change. Like, you get a new case, or you get like something you never dealt with, and um, and I like that. I like that I'm just learning all the time. Um, I'm actually going to get chemo certified here in February. So that's, I mean, that's just another thing I'm going to learn. Um, and I really enjoy my coworkers. So I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, bedside nursing is really hard. It's, it's like my body's dead after yeah. my three, my three like days that I do. Um, like you have to move, physically move patients. You have to like clean them when they can't clean themselves. Like, you're you're literally their maid you're cleaning up their room you're taking their trays you're bringing them water um you're you know you're doing everything for them um 
you pretty much lose all your um, independence while you're in the hospital. So, um, I mean, I definitely try to get them to do as much as they can on their own, but there's some patients that absolutely can't. Um, I, so I don't know. I, I originally wanted to get certified um, and do like Botox and lip fillers and stuff and then uh, kind of go in the business with my sister who's an esthetician and, you know, possibly open up our own place together. And, um, but the, I mean, that's not out of the picture yet, but and it's definitely a goal and that's yeah, awesome. Just down the, kind of down the road, but I am, I'm happy where I am. Um, night shift's really hard, but. Oh I, yeah, you work nights. <laughs> Explain your shift a little bit too. Um, so I work three 12 hour shifts, um, but it's more kind of like 13 hours and that's, if I could even get out on time. Um, so you kind of go in, uh, you have to like get report from the other nurses, kind of see, get updates on patients and learn about them. And so you need time before and after. So, I mean, I could tell you I'm getting off at seven thirty, and I don't get off till eight or, um, even later, but, uh, so I have three twelves, um, and it's nights. So I go in around, um, six, like six forty is when I clock in. And then if I'm lucky, I'll leave like at seven thirty in the morning. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think that's probably the best shift. Uh, how, how do you like nights? I mean, um, I like it. I, I think it's, um, it's a little less stressful than days, days you're working with, like, all the therapies that patients are going to, so like physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, um, and you're meeting with all these doctors and you have to deal with all the family members and your patient's awake, so they want more and they kind of are a little bit more needier than um, at night, whereas at night, like, um, typically my I go in, I get report from the nurse we go in we see the patient make sure they're okay um introduce myself then I go to my desk and kind of get our nights organized and um see what medications are due throughout the night um read about them a little bit and kind of what's going on what the plan is um and then I usually probably start trying to um pass their medications around 8 p.m and then um hopefully be able to chart by 11 <laughs> but there's been times I couldn't start charting until like three in the morning so and it's like never the same thing like it's always something kind of something new um, each shift I mean you get me, you do get the same patients but when we do get the same patients back we're it's really nice because we can I mean not much has changed since the day before so it's it's a lot easier for charting. I mean, you know your patients. You kind of know what's going on. Um, just because we every nurse at night gets six patients, up to six patients. And that's all kind of a lot. Like, it's a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, like, wow. Um, <laughs> six people. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and, you know, not everybody's just as needy. Sometimes we have somebody who's, like, super independent in the room and doesn't really need much from us and... Th- those are always nice because then we could kind of focus a little bit more on the people who like say a, a patient who has dementia and is trying to get out of bed and you're like trying to get them to not fall and your bed alarm is going off and you're running in there every two minutes and they're fighting you and yeah. um like I've I've been hit by a dementia patient before and just strong little 
old lady, <laughs> but um, but they're kind of the ones that are they're like my problem childs in the hospital. Yeah, so it, it's definitely never boring. I mean, I you know when you you come home and you know it's you almost always have a story for me or like something uh, that that happens. So I mean, it, it keeps you on your toes and. Uh, you know, it's not a boring job. <laughs> no, I mean, um, like, especially from the job I had before, I kind of was just like, it was like a routine. It, like, I knew what I was going to do. I knew, like, I didn't have to put any, like, thought into it. And I mean, I loved that job because it was so easy. And I was, I really loved my coworkers. And um, they I, they took really good care of me. But, um, like, at the here, like, being a nurse, like, you actually, like, have to put what you learn to use like you have to think outside of the box and um like even if somebody's complaining like oh I just feel really cold and you're just like oh okay and then after a while you're like well wait like are you cold or are you like getting an infection yeah um and so then you kind of just have to like start thinking about things and putting stuff together yeah um tell uh the story about uh the, the lady that you saved and uh, oh well I mean, I don't know how much detail I can No, into, I mean, but, don't, like, don't um, go use her name or stuff, um, but just kind of, like, just walk through, like, you know, stuff that you notice, like, just kind of explain in general sense of, like, what happened, because, I mean, you, you saved that lady's life. Well, so she was, well, she is already one, has, like, has a history of, like, cancer, and um, she basically, uh, in the middle of the night, like, we go in there, and she had to go to the bathroom, we helped her go to the bathroom, and then all of a sudden, she just can't walk anymore, and uh, basically, like, falling on us, and we're, we're, like, trying to keep her up from uh, touching the floor, because then we had to do, like, fall paperwork, and um, all that, and so then, we get her into bed, finally, and then um, she's just complaining that she's really cold, so I give her some blankets, I, um, turn the heat up and I um then I start thinking and she's just like shivering and I'm just like I don't like it you know let me take your temperature like let me get some like vital sign and see what kind of like where your temperature's at and like blood pressure and all that and um then she turned out she had like a 101 like degree temperature and um so then like I just called like our charge nurse and I was just like no like things are okay like she's different you know she's saying she's really cold um I can't even remember what her blood pressure was but uh basically she was going septic and um we ended up calling a sepsis alert and um the doctors came in and saw her and we got her antibiotics gave her some fluids and I mean eventually took care of that infection before it got bad because things with with sepsis is that you it's all about time and the earlier you catch it the like better it is so i mean if you go septic for too long then you could die so yeah and i mean it, it's your your schooling and the education and stuff you got where you're able to you know check out those like notice those signs and kind of put you know two and two together so but no i mean that's awesome and, and you were recognized for that at work uh, for for catching that so I mean that's amazing and I'm sure you know that lady and her family are, are very grateful for you yeah it was it was pretty rewarding and yeah it's part of the job yeah. um so yeah I mean another I mean the biggest thing I, I mean biggest thing for me but probably the biggest thing for you is is you know being a first-time mother uh how, how you feel about that <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work um yeah. it's 
it's the best thing in the world though um i wouldn't trade anything for it so i and you're lucky because i mean you you kind of been around babies you know most of your life and so i mean you had a little bit more experience than i did but yeah she i mean i took care of all my nephews and nieces (laughs) pretty much um uh, so you were like the designated babysitter yes (laughs) so everybody out there owes me a lot of babysitters. oh yeah we got it we got um but it's it's great it's um i just noticed that i don't know if it's because i am a nurse but i'm super like hyper vigilant to everything that goes on with her and i'm always freaking myself out and um you know i i just want to protect her but and i I especially get like nervous like bringing like covid home and you know giving it to her and yeah that's kind of always been like a concern of ours um just like you being in the hospital and then uh you know and you know your, your mom watches her and your i mean your mom's a little bit older both your parents are so yeah the last thing i want to do is give it to them and you know anybody who's immunocompromised around me but um and even give it to her <laughs> like yeah. even though it doesn't affect babies as much but we're i mean everything's still new we're still learning so much about covid that there's there's it's literally like not a something we can like oh these are the symptoms yeah. that's it like um it's definitely new because <laughs> i know for like it's hard because whereas you know we want to show her off to the world especially when she was first born like you know where typically people are kind of like you know everyone come see her and you know like here's our baby we're like you know just you know kind of how to keep her safe and and keep her uh you know from having so many people this year i know there's a lot of people that still need to see her but it is it's it was a hard time for i think for us to have a baby oh for sure but um she also hasn't had a cold so <laughs> I know. That's, and it's our rsv season so um that's kind of nice that she hasn't gotten really sick um but yeah i mean a lot of people do still need to meet her and uh hopefully with like i said with the vaccine like i I really do believe in it. I do think that it will help control what's going on. And I know everybody kind of is just like, oh, I'm not putting that into my body. But then they're getting like lip injections. They're getting like boobs and yeah, Botox. And you'll put that in there if it benefit, like if it makes you look good. But like you're not going to put a vaccine. And I, I think the fresh most frustrating thing is like most people that are like that, they're kind of like that because of something they read on Facebook. <laughs> well, not only that, but I just don't think they've actually like like how many of them have actually walked in the hospital and seen these people like that are in on like ven- ventilators and intubated and um like well, why why risk that like why well, you don't want to put something in your body cuz you don't know what's going to happen but you're like you're using your iPhone like you're eating like all this bad food like but you're putting that in your body but like to like save like your parents your grandparents like or like your somebody else's parents like from getting sick like that's just really selfish yeah for sure and i think um, for us now i mean we're trying to cut out the processed food or try and do the the whole whole food things which has been a little rough but i think that's the biggest like kind of eye opener for me cuz i mean um listening to the podcast uh joe rogan's where he's just kind of like talking about like just taking care of your body and you know building your immune system i think that's like the biggest thing with this um is i mean if you take care of your body it's going to take care of you which i agree i mean i do think that as well but like it's only gonna get you so far like you still need vaccines to 
yeah. combat these no, like, of course, viruses of course. and these, you know, diseases that are going around. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's just been challenging. That I think that's probably the most challenging part for me is like, I see people always like post like, Oh, well, it's a high survival rate. It's, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But then, sure, you survived, but now your lungs are basically, like, shot. And yeah. you you have to use oxygen for the rest of your life. Or, like, now, are you... Or, like, doing, that UFC fighter who, he gets, like, blood clots now. Yeah, and like, you, like, got a clot and it caused you to have a stroke. Um, or you, like, have early sets of, like, heart failure. Like, you know, there's just so much more that goes beyond it so like sure you survived covid but now you're dealing with everything else after it like i've seen healthy people have it and and they're like can't walk to across the hall and like be they're out of breath yeah so, so definitely long-term effects of it that people are kind of like over overlooking and where it's like oh i mean if i don't die from it and i i think for the most part like kind of our age of people like we're like we're not the highest risk we're probably like the lowest risk and but um it's still like people can get it and i and give it to their parents and i mean people forget it's a disease that could be spread and yeah i mean it's a it's a virus and it's spread it easily and it's i don't know i guess it's just if that doesn't affect you personally you kind of just don't care about it right yeah and that's kind of something i noticed like during this whole pandemic that i mean i was mentioning to you like i mean two of the biggest things that are shown is like people's ignorance and then people are like selfish like like i mean everyone sees you know the people partying constantly every weekend sharing bottles and doing all this and that and it's frustrating for me and you because we're like we can't even go take our baby to see her cousins or her aunties and her uncles because this virus is still going on but you see these people that are sitting here having the times of their life and, you know, not taking it serious. So, I mean, it's, it's super frustrating for me. And I mean, we, we always talk about it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I definitely think that a lot of people do it like, and then they go and give it to their grandparents or, you know what I mean? And it's just all that for partying. And yeah. I, I don't get me wrong. Like we've seen friends, like we haven't been extremely quarantined, but I think yeah, we, we've I mean, done we our part pretty things. well. But we went to a wedding and, but, uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I just think those, those, I mean, the baby and then, you know, my situations definitely kept me from wanting to party and, and live that life. I mean, who knows if we didn't have her, uh, I think we'd probably be a little more safe just because of your parents and, you know, we're, we're not selfish like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, for the, for the most part, uh, it's, it's tough to see, like, you know, I think that situation kind of made this whole lockdown and all this stuff and mask mandate and all that go on a lot longer than what it should because i mean look at new zealand i mean these other countries i mean given that they're on an island you know they completely closed but there's other countries out there that are they're almost back to normal and where we're still trying to figure it out yeah and i mean there's even i hear stories like that our patients are like being extubated so they're getting taken off the ventilator and they're still saying that covid's not real (laughs) Like they're still like saying like no this is this isn't real but when you're just like well you're here at the hospital yeah, you're and you're on a, <laughs> a, literally we're just on a ventilator um, because so. of it but it's not real <laughs> yeah so it's I don't know it's it's kind of just frustrating but I just think like a lot of people don't see like even if it's not affecting you personally it's affecting somebody and like whether this person survived or not like 
you know, people are having to say goodbye to their family members through a face, like Zoom. Like, imagine having to like say goodbye to your mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, like, and you're having to tell him like, bye, like you'll never see them again. You'll never talk to them again. And you're saying your goodbyes over a Zoom call. Like, yeah, you can't right. touch them, can't feel them, can't kiss them. Like, that's it. And yeah, so even shitty. if you survive, like, people, people are just like they have spent like they they spent a whole month in the hospital they've spent like without seeing anybody if you have covid they're not they don't allow anybody to come in and see you so like you've spent that all that time and like you missed out on so much and but it's not your problem because you're not dealing with it i guess yeah exactly and i mean like in um in march when you know my my grandfather died you know there's only 10 of us that could that we couldn't even have a funeral session you know we had to have a viewing and there was only 10 people there and where there's, you know, obviously a hundred people that could have been to the funeral. And, you know, it, it's frustrating. That that was like one of the most frustrating thing for me. And I, I think people don't like see, like just because that's not happening to you personally, um, it's not a problem. And I, I think that's the biggest thing is just people are, are selfish and they're ignorant. Um, but, but I just think people don't want to be told what to do. Yeah, and I mean, that's like the most, like, a lot of people in this country are just big babies. Like, no, you're not going to tell me that. Like, no, I'm not going to listen. Pretty much. Yeah, you can't control me. I'm I'm not going to wear this mask. And I mean, even wearing a mask is not horrible. I'm so used to it now. Like, no, I mean, I probably would never want to enter a patient's room without a mask, even and, after. Like, yeah, and COVID. so so kind of touch on that, um, where like people are like, oh, like masks don't work. Well, and like the anti-maskers and all that, like, like, I think you have a really good take on it. And we kind of came up with so like kind of touch on that a little bit. Well, I mean, people, would you want your surgeon like doing open heart surgery on you when they're not wearing a mask? Like there's they wearing a mask has been around before COVID. Like if you go into the doctor's office, you'd always see a sign like if you have a cough, cover it, like wear this mask. Um like the flu is down because people are like wearing a mask. People are washing their hands and like there's been, I mean, just proven science that masks like you can, you don't breathe in as much as what you like would and you're not like spreading your droplets everywhere. So like we would, if somebody had like the flu and they're in the hospital, like there, we'd always have to wear a mask. Like that's just what it was. We, they put them on certain precautions and, we go in with we wouldn't go in without a mask um and so like it's it's been around like you you would think that if it didn't work then all everybody in the healthcare field would be sick like everything like there's i can guarantee you there's so many times that there's been a patient on our floor where there shouldn't be like with covid but they have covid and so that puts us like at risk and nobody's nobody's gotten it i mean there are people on our floor that have gotten COVID, but I don't, we can't prove if it's from the hospital or from outside resources. Like there's been some people that are admit they're like, yeah, it's from me hanging out with so-and-so or, um, but we would come home with different diseases pretty much or viruses every day. If, if like masks didn't work. Yeah. Like you're, if you're going to have that knee surgery or if you're going to have that back surgery or, open heart surgery like they mask up so they're like oh well like it don't work or whatever and like everyone hates jared polis like oh he wants to just keep us in the mask like and then they're like oh well um, only the n95s work but um i think what there's like that facebook picture where it's like 
kind of best way to describe it is okay so um if <laughs> if a guy I, I don't know i just really like this so i want, I want to share it so it's like all right so if all right if uh, two people aren't wearing pants okay and then the first one pees he gets pee on you okay all right so if um if you wear pants but he does any pees then he still gets pee on you <laughs> but if he's wearing pants and you're wearing pants and he pees, he just pees on himself. And that's like the, the mask kind of analogy of it. So, you, you know, that's, that's one form of protection. And, and it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's the best way to like protect yourself. But I, I think that now, like, I mean, people, it's frustrating. People are still, you know, flipping out over masks, but, um, so, uh, yeah, I think we kind of got off topic a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just, uh, um, How's being a mom during quarantine and COVID and all that? Um, it's honestly kind of easy. Like we just stay home, we just hang out. Like <laughs> I never. We're such homebodies now. I never like to be home. Like I've, like I've just been so used to like always on the go and going here and going there and, um, never being home. So now that I have to be home, it's a lot easier because I have someone like to hang out with and just play and. Um, she keeps me busy. Mm-hmm. For At the sure. same time, it's harder to leave the house now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it takes us forever to get out of the house. I mean, um, we we relate to this. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm always late, and now I'm even later. Now we're even way later. So, um, it's it's great. It's um, definitely hard. Like you know, there was times where I had to like back off seeing my parents, and um, but now I just take the extra precautions and. I try to be as safe as I can and, um, you know, just spend some time with my baby and we, we, she loves her grandma and grandpa. So we go hang out with them and, um, yeah, we just, now that it's going to start getting nice, we'll take her to the park and we took her yesterday and wiped down the seats and stuff. That's like a new normal, like wiping down. But I mean, I, I, I was thinking about it and I was like, why, why didn't you wipe down before? Like, there's homeless people and, like, people, like, that always touched yeah. it. And, and I guess you just never know where anybody's hands were. So I guess it's safer. I know. That's, like, crazy. Like, just think, like, we used to go into restaurants, open the, the door handle, um, not wash your hands, go sit down, eat chicken wings, and, you know, like, sit here and, like. <laughs> well, just, like, kind of like a meme my sister-in-law said. And it's, like, I used to like put my hand in this bowl with the bowling ball and put yeah. my fingers in the holes and then go eat hot wings and french fries like, like with nothing. that same hand <laughs> and not even think about it yeah so i mean it's definitely complete change of everything i mean life's never going to be the same like well i would think everyone would be extra precautious maybe it's a good thing because like you said like look the flu um the flu like uh, cases are are down or you you never hear of anyone getting the flu and it's because people are you know being cautious washing their hands wearing a mask and so i mean there's maybe a little good maybe we'll be more safer and healthier yeah hopefully and who knows we'll see um yeah so let's see what else uh Oh, uh, so I mean, what what do you what do you think about this that, that I'm doing? I mean, what's your how do you feel about this? I mean, it's fine. It's what, uh, whatever you want to do, like we'll support it. Hmm. It's out of the out of the box for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was 
it was definitely hard for me to put myself out there. I, I think, uh, like I mentioned to you, like before, like, should I like do like, should I bring this up? Like, should I tell people about that? And it was like super nerve wracking for me. And like, I, I know for you, like kind of bringing you on here, I, I kind of dragged you, dragged you here, but, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's out of the box. It's, it's a little uncomfortable and, uh, but, you know, enjoy it. And I, I've, I've received a lot of good feedback from this, you know, people reaching out and, uh, you know, thanking me for, you know, putting myself out there and, and doing something positive. And, you know, I've, I've had old coworkers, you know, text me and tell me, you know, they, they love it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was it was nerve wracking for sure. It was like as soon as I dropped it, like I just kind of had to drop my phone and like walk away and like oh shit, like now what? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's been going good so far, and I I, I wanted you on here because I kind of wanted you to give the whole like nurse perspective of the pandemic and you know COVID and all that, and you know you you think you're not that interesting, but I mean you covered a lot of good yeah. stuff, and and you are. I mean you're you are interesting. Um, you you are uh you've came a long way um and and you're a first generation mexican american so yeah and uh so i mean that that's good i Uh, would say we're doing pretty well yeah um yeah 2020 was a rough year for us i think uh not just with the pandemic but i mean a lot a lot a lot has happened yeah, um, I mean, only hoping it gets better f- from here on out. Yeah, I mean, we could only go up, right? Yes. Um, I think on top of that, I mean, just kind of like everything that's happened with uh, like the election. I mean, I uh, that was that was intense. That was that was interesting for you and I both. I mean, I <laughs> the. I was like following it so close and like couldn't get sleep and was like tossing and turning, like constantly checking my phone and all that. And uh, I think it was like, um, I mean, like being Mexican and, you know, having a Mexican family, like, I mean, like, like, like what was, I mean, it was like a a huge win for us because just kind of everything that, that happened, you know, during his, his terms and all that and like trying to deport everyone and, um, you know, throwing, throwing kids in cages and, you know, just all that, that negative things that, that came associated with it. I mean, how, like, as far as like being Mexican, like, I mean, what was kind of like your outlook on it and like with your parents and stuff? Um, I think it was definitely hard. Uh, I mean, you have like my mom talking to her family in Mexico and they're like, damn, like (laughs) this shit sucks over there. (laughs) Like, you know, and that's coming from the other side. Like, you're just like, well, if they think it's shitty here, then like, it is, you yeah. know, like they're dealing with the cartels and like bad stuff over there. But um, it like you just see like all these posts like where like people are just like like if you're speaking Spanish like in the store and you like see like someone like t- basically like talking shit to you and like going back to Mac- like go back to Mexico, like all the stuff like I would like go off on somebody if they did that to my mom. Like really? I would literally like i've never been in a fight but i'll fight somebody like <laughs> um because like one it's just like they're not doing anything to you like they're trying to just go grocery shopping and like people are just like so ugly like i think it just brought out like the ugliness like i think usually like 
sure, like, if you want to be Republican, then be Republican, or you want to be Democrat, like, that's fine, like, but this was beyond that, like, it yeah, was more about of, like, being a good person, yeah, and, like, I don't know, then I seen people, like, pose, like, oh, would you have Biden watch your kid, and I was, like, so you'd have Trump watch your kid, like, what, yeah. <laughs> like, what, why does it even, like, come to that, like, I think, people are just like uneducated and i think that a lot of people were getting their sources from facebook and like they weren't actually like researching and they weren't like they weren't just like looking beyond their but like their beliefs like it's just about what they want and that's it like yeah like if he supported like one thing like oh like the taxes then we'll push everything else to the side but he's 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 about taxes like you know what i mean and it's like like you're giving all that up like for your one belief just for you know like not being a good person yeah like it's just it goes beyond that and it's like by by right now like everybody's everybody's mixed with something like it's yeah. you're not just white and that's it like you're you're your family came from somewhere yeah there's irish and italian and you know there's probably some uh, native american in there yeah and like there's so much mix and uh and, and you i mean your your parents did it the legal way i mean they they did everything the right way yeah like, i mean they they came the right way and so it's possible but like i also know like people who didn't like I still don't have papers like and they're not bad people like no, it doesn't, that doesn't make them a bad person and especially if they came as a kid like they they had no choice like what were their parents supposed to just like come over here and then be like okay well you stay over there i'll be back yeah like <laughs> like they come when you're ready or like, and like people don't realize like you know more people than you think you do that are in the situation and like if you're thinking so ugly about just the general like putting that stigma on the general population like what did you think about your friend that you went to school with that is Mexican yeah. and like their family is dealing with something, you know, without being legal. And like, you know, you're, you're sharing all this ugly stuff and like, you're talking like you're being racist basically. Yeah. But like you went to the same school that I did. Yeah. Or you, you grew up in the same neighborhood. You, that you've I been did. around the same people that we've, we've been on. Cause I mean, both of our, I mean, all of our schools, I mean, we're primarily like just Mexican. H- Hispanic. Yeah, yeah. Hispanic. And all of my friends, I mean, are, are, are Mexican <laughs> and but like yeah like I mean I don't know like I said the biggest thing with with how what I've found out this day and age is like people are, are ignorant and they're selfish I mean they, they've always been but like people are are more prone to show it and I think that's because of who's their leader and kind of pushes them to be like you know what I don't have to keep this in the dark no more and it's 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 not ta- taboo no more and I you know I'm, I'm gonna express how I feel but it, I mean it's like super selfish and I know like with the election like I was I was I mean I was stressed out like I mean this is the first election and I mean I've, I've always I don't know why I've always been like so interested in elections and I remember like uh, like Bush running and Al Gore and I like remember watching those on TV and like just being so into them but like all the times that, like, you know, Bush won, I was just like, eh, eh. like, you know, life goes on. Like, it's like your your sports team didn't win. You know, the Broncos didn't win the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, it hurts, ah, whatever. But, you know, life goes on. And I think, like, the biggest was, like, with Obama. And I think that was just huge because, I mean, he was the first bl- black president. And, um, you know, that, that was, like, so exciting just to finally have that, like, change of, you know, just every president before him that were, you know, white. And now we finally get like a black president. And I think when Trump 
ran in like 2016 that kind of like changed everything and like i think we were watching it and like he won and we're like damn that sucks you know like i think that's more of like your team not winning the super bowl and like the patriots winning and you're kind of like yeah like damn but like this one like i was just so involved and just like so so drawn to it and to me it was like it was it was like it was huge like well i think people were actually like scared for their lives and i i was like we like we were like i was i think my whole perspective kind of changed on things like having a child it's kind of like like you know i mean i was worried for her like i didn't want her to like grow up in this type of world and like everything that's going on like now with like them storming the capital and like a little bit of it's still like kind of going on but i mean like can you imagine like if he had four more years like like what would happen and it, i felt so close to it because um you know like i said like her like her her parents are mexican her mom's mexican and like you know a lot of my close friends were mexican and i i mean um I, i'm sure i i have like some type of mexican in me and but like i i like to think of myself uh, you know uh just lo- loving the culture and everything that comes comes with it i mean like those i classify those as my people and um but yeah, I mean, just like I, you know, I was scared for her, and I didn't want her to be in this, this, this world like this. And I mean, I even mentioned to you, like, like, let's move a co- countries, like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like really trying to figure out how to like. I knew we couldn't go to Mexico just because of everything that's going on down there, but like, I, I, that was my mindset. Where I was like, I, I don't want her to grow up in this. Yeah, it's scary and. Now I think with Kamala Harris as like vice president, like and that's so it huge. opens the door for just like women. Yeah, and <laughs> like, I'm like, our, like our daughter has a chance to be president if she wants. Yeah, and it, it's it's possible, and I I think that's that's a lot of uh, good that's came out of it. All right, um, well yeah, I want to thank you for doing this, even though you didn't want to. Um, I don't know how do you, how do you feel. How you feel it went? I think it went okay. It's nerve wracking. <laughs> like I felt like I was in an interview, and I mean, I think you do get a little bit more comfortable like after you start talking. Once it starts rolling. Yeah. Um, but I think it definitely wasn't in my comfort zone. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could pull you out of that a little bit. Um, and I no, I I just wanted you to be my first guest and. It was harder, I think, I thought it would be more comfortable, like, just, like, me and you talking, uh, just because, I mean, you know, we're partners, obviously, and, you know, we, we talk every day, but it was kind of hard to, like, like ask you stuff that I already knew about, <laughs> and so, but, uh, no, it's a learning experience, and I thank you for coming on and, and sharing uh, what you felt comfortable sharing. Um, I'll have you on again someday. I know I will <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, uh, yeah, uh, continue to support, continue to share. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, my numbers aren't crazy as far as, like, followers and likes and things like that. But, um, you know, that was the ultimate goal was to get the people around me to support and kind of spiral out from there. And I think uh, I, I succeeded at that. Uh, you know, everyone that... Uh, you know, that's been supporting our friends. I'm getting some new followers and some new likes and things like that. So, uh, yeah, can keep supporting my ultimate goal is to at least release one episode a week. 
Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be hard, but I'm I'm definitely going to try to do everything I can to do that. I I've have reached out to a lot of people that I'm I'm looking to have on here, and we're going to start planning stuff. Uh, you know, we're in the studio now. We didn't get to do video, but uh, I think on my next one, we're we're definitely gonna we're gonna have some some video. Like I said, I I I, I want to be able to you know see us um, engage, and I just think it's a little bit more personal, um, especially when some guests are are gonna be bringing in uh, you know things that they're trying to promote and that. Um, yeah, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is the Good Convo, Good People podcast with me, your host. Uh, Jordan DeLeon. Um, thank you, Natalie, for being on here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Alrighty, everyone. Take care.